I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Welcome to day three of my second week of my July book blast. So I guess technically this is day day eight of my July book blast. And <laughs> today is Beach Reads Wednesday. I love Beach Reads. I wish I had more time to just sit on the beach and read, as I'm sure we all do. But instead of that, I'm offering up all these amazing Beach Read books, which you should definitely check out this summer and beyond. Jennifer Dahlberg was born in Rockland County, New York, and currently lives in Stockholm, Sweden. She is the author of two novels, Uptown and Down, as well as her latest book, Lagging Indicators. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. We had so much fun on the Comedy of Errors book club that you joined where my sound stopped working and my husband ended up hosting and all the rest. So thanks I, for rolling. I he saved the day. He I did. thought he saved the day. He did. I think he's hilarious. I actually watched when you did your Kyle and Zibi thing together. Yes. So I think you guys are a great team. Thank you. I know. I have so much fun doing it with him and he kind of misses doing a show together. So I think that's why he was so happy to hop onto our podcast. On our I love, but I, I love how supportive and how he's like really invested in what you're doing. I think that's fantastic. So. so nice. It is. It's really awesome. And I love what he's doing. It's just, we're like, you know, it's just this whole like creative whirlwind. Yes. It's really fun. Absolutely. That's nice. Kind of feeding off of each other, which is great. Yes, it's true. <laughs> which is awesome. So speaking of creativity, tell me about your really interesting way of gaining research and writing lagging indicators and how I was, I had the mistaken assumption that you had been in this financial world and really, you're just like an awesome researcher. So anyway, tell the listeners more about what Lagging Indicators is about, and then tell the story again from Book Club about how you put it all together. Well, basically, I was inspired by the financial crisis of 2008. But prior to that, I had been surrounded by people that worked in finance. We were living in Greenwich, Connecticut for my husband's job. We were there for, on a five-year expat assignment because I live in Stockholm, Sweden now. I'm from New York, but I live in Stockholm, Sweden. And um, I was just surrounded by all these finance people. And I had I was used to much more diversity in terms of different careers. And I just was kind of like, okay, everybody works in finance here. That's interesting. And everyone's kind of a, a guy working in finance. I'm not meeting so many career women. And like, like myself, I had taken an off-ramp to raise my kids, like a lot of the other women did that were living in Greenwich at the time. And then when the financial crisis occurred, it was just, it was horrible from a economic standpoint, of course, but I felt like I was watching drama in real time. I mean, you couldn't make some of the stuff up and it was in all the different personalities 
and all the sort of earth shattering things that occurred, I, I have to say, I found it very intriguing. And I thought, okay, I see if I can maybe craft a story around that, but from a female's perspective, and I didn't want to dive into the 2008 crisis. I wanted to do it a year later. Someone who had survived the financial crisis and thought that her job was secure, but only to discover, not really. <laughs> there were still sort of like barbarians at the gate that were that were out to get her. And I didn't have any financial background whatsoever, but I did work as an executive recruiter for many years. So I'd been exposed to the corporate arena and the you know different finance types. And my husband is a banker. So I just did extensive research and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think sometimes when you have been in a stay-at-home parent, any opportunity to like learn something new, <laughs> you kind of like totally dive into it, which is what I did. I mean, I composed all these questionnaires. I gave it to, you know, female friends that I knew who worked on Wall Street. I, you know, just kind of bombarded my husband with questions. I read every article I could find. And again, I think the thing that really helped me the most is I would watch CNBC like every day, every day. I felt like I knew them. <laughs> so that's basically, that's basically how I kind of like taught myself as much as I could. But it's still very difficult because I don't have this sort of like innate ability in the financial world. So to hear you say that you felt it sounded authentic, actually, it means a lot to me. Thank you. And I've, and I've had some other women tell me as well that they felt that I kind of captured the essence of that industry from a female perspective. Well, I do think it sounded super authentic. That said, <laughs> I've never actually worked in any firms like that. I've only read yeah. other books about okay. firms like that. So compare- you an MBA? I have an MBA, but I was in marketing and like brand okay. management and, you know, oh. not, I mean, they would like slam the door in my face at a finance firm if they saw my spreadsheet ability. So I'm- That's how I feel. That's how I feel. My, I'm just not wired that way. I'm so not wired that way, which is what was fun to like inhabit this other character because it, it wasn't me. And then when you don't have anything about a certain character that's similar to you, you can just kind of like go to the races with them. Totally. Yeah. It's like you use all your observational prowess and just like yeah. turn it into a story and- you don't have to learn how to calculate. Now I can't even think of a single term to even say as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you don't. You don't censor yourself because you're just kind of like I'm just going with. I'm just going yes. for it, which is what which is what I did. So that's awesome. So having this glimpse, this sort of like analytical, observational glimpse into this world, so you could create your character who then like exited the world and tried to figure out what to do. And mm -hmm. I won't give anything away, but what are your thoughts on women who actually are in this industry? Like, what do you make of it now? What would you tell them? Like, what should they, you know? I do definitely believe that if a woman is interested and passionate about this industry, she should, uh, the financial world, she should absolutely go for it. And, you know, work to get a seat at the table because that's really the only way we're going to make any kind of change. I mean, through some of my research, you know, as women, we are, you know, are perceived to be as less risk, risk averse than, than men. And a lot of research show that perhaps like if more women had been in positions of power during the financial crisis, we would have had less exposure. You know, women have different kind of risk assessment and decision-making processes. So I just think that you need the diversity of voices in, in every aspect. So I definitely encourage women to go into that field. I wish I could have had like five different careers. I would have loved to work on Wall Street for a couple of years, you know, so just to kind of like dip your toe in different things and just get a sense of what it's about. So tell me more about your story. So you're from New York. I'm from New York. Which part of New York? And then what happened after? Like, yeah, sure. take me. Yeah. Pretend I'm interviewing sure. you for a job at a finance firm. Tell, uh, take absolutely. me through your 
absolutely. bio here. No, absolutely. Well, I grew up in Rothman County, New York, and I'm actually a first generation American. My parents are Haitian immigrants and they came to the United States in the late 60s. And my sister and I were both born in New York. And I grew up in Rockland County, but I always wanted to leave. I always wanted to go to New York City. So I got into college in the city, had a fantastic experience. And then I started working, as I mentioned, for a search firm. I also met my husband, a Swede. We met through mutual friends and we dated for several years. And then he proposed and asked if I would want to move to Stockholm. And although I enjoyed my job, I wasn't passionate about it. And I always knew I wanted to write. When I was an executive recruiter, my favorite part was writing the candidate profiles. And the partners always would kind of like more and more partners would like give me their, you know, scribbly notes and were like, Jen, do something with this. And that was actually my favorite part of the job. So I felt that like writing was something I definitely wanted to explore. And I had the opportunity to do that when I moved to Stockholm. And my husband being super Swedish and like very strong work ethic said to me, yeah, you can write, but you have to treat it like a job. You have to do it from nine to five every day. And I was like, okay, I guess I will. I have to do that. So I sat for like two years working on my first novel, Uptown and Down is what it eventually became. And then I, the old fashioned way back then, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, I queried agents. I went through the, you know, that book, what was it? The, the literary marketplace book and everything, like just trying to do the whole thing. And I think probably like the last agent I queried agreed to take me on. And then within a year and a half, she sold the manuscript to Penguin NAL. They had a division called New American Library. And the book came out in 2005. And it was like a dream come true, you know, like to want to write and then to be published. But I, you know, I had children, small kids. It was hard to, to write another book. They had an option for a second story. I didn't really like deliver. Thank God they didn't take it because I think I would have been embarrassed by it now. But I found it really hard to write when I had small kids. So I admire every writer. So many have who come on your show. I don't even understand how they do it. I listened to Jay Courtney Sullivan. I don't even understand how she wrote her book with the Right? I know. The little ones, like she would write in the middle of the night. I could not do that when I had small kids. I could not do that. When I opened her book, I'm like, oh, this woman is in it. Like she is living <laughs> this right now. Yes. Right? You could just tell. Like it wasn't like yes. an observational situation. Like this is like someone who's like holding a baby as she's typing this at this yeah, second. <laughs> exactly. Well, I have that book. I have the book on my Kindle. I can't wait to read it. But when you said that, I thought to myself, my gosh, I was like, not even in that frame of mind whatsoever. I just wanted to sleep. <laughs> People are like, yeah, I wrote it while my baby napped. And I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. that's, I did like a thousand other things. Like I couldn't nap when my baby napped. Like I was like, do, like, why do I always have so many emails? I like always have stuff. There's always stuff. I can't, I don't know. I was the same exact way. I was the same exact way. So, but as a result, my writing suffered. So when I was ready to tell another story, I feel like the publishing world had kind of like passed me by. And when I'd written this story, I felt really strongly about it. I thought it was timely, but my, it couldn't find a home. My agent couldn't sell it. And I kind of gave up, but a number of things happened at like 2016, everyone was saying it was going to be the year of the woman. And then 2017, the whole Me Too movement. And it just kind of convinced me that, you know, this story could resonate with an audience and maybe I should consider releasing it myself, which is what I ended up doing. Wow. And what was that experience like? It was fantastic. Imagine being in a total sort of creative drought where your self-esteem is at the bottom because nobody wants to publish your book. 
to, I used a self-publishing service. So I worked with an advisor. So he totally got what I was trying to accomplish. So it was suddenly from writing alone to having a collaboration with somebody, I was just so eager to be part of the process. So I learned so much and I have absolutely no regrets doing it. I've met so many fantastic people, both in real life and online. Um, Your community, for example, I started following you soon after um, my book came out and I kept seeing your name on different people I followed in the bookstagram world. And I was like, who is Zoe? <laughs> and then I started following you. And then I started following moms who don't have time to read books. And it's literally just been a fantastic experience, you know, just having that connection. And on top of that, my living in Stockholm makes it so that I don't come in contact with anybody in the, you know, American publishing world. So it's, it's been fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad you came to my book fair. That was so awesome. Yes, yeah. it was wonderful. It was so great. <laughs> I like long for days where we can get rooms of people and friends and authors I and everybody, know, you know, hopefully know. soon. You were so generous opening your home to all the writers and readers and, and you know, book enthusiasts. So I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Now I look back and I'm like, germs, germs, germs. I know, <laughs> which I could, which I can totally understand. I almost don't want to hug my kids. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, what have you been doing? <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's a good point. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, here in Sweden, we've been much more open than you guys have been in the United States. So my kids have like potentially much more opportunity to come in contact with germs. <laughs> <laughs> What What is it like being like a Rockland County transplant in Stockholm? Um, it's been fun. I have to say it's been fun. Like I was definitely one of those people who wanted to try the Europe thing, but I always thought it would be like London or Paris. And I'm really grateful that my husband introduced me to Stockholm because it's a beautiful country and it just has just like kind of the right amount of edginess. And it's far though. It's far. And the climate gets to you after a while, cold and dark. But now it's summer and it's gorgeous. So... Well, more time to write, I guess, if you... Uh... Exactly. More time to write. More time to write. Extending you, the day. Extending the day. Are you working on any new books now? I am, actually. I'm working on a new novel. It's a mother-daughter story that takes place in the Swedish archipelago. We have a place out in one of the islands. You know, Sweden or the Stockholm archipelago, it's like... 30,000 different like islands and scaries and all these different little small communities. And we have a place in one of the islands and the book, it's a fictional place, but it's very similar to where we have a house. And my daughter went off to college last year and that's got me thinking a lot about motherhood and and that relationship. And I just kind of wanted to tap into that. It felt much more genuine in terms of where I was in life, but it is a fictional story though. (laughs) Fiction in quotes or no? (laughs) I try to keep fictional as possible because otherwise I find that I censor myself, you know, then you're always worried. Oh, people will think I'm talking about myself, you know, and and I have to say, no, it's not me. It's a character. Yeah. People are (laughs) quick to, quick to jump to that conclusion. Who just said to me yesterday, someone just said recently, like their agent's advice was to just quickly write a second book as fast as possible so that they would realize that the first book wasn't autobiographical. Oh my gosh. That's really good advice. That's probably what my problem was. I didn't like jump on it as quickly as I should have. But I think there's definitely elements of, you know, who you are and where you are in life in whatever you write. And I had a friend who's a documentary filmmaker say to me, you know, I think that writing is kind of us trying to like sort through whatever issues that are going on in our head or something that is just on our mind. And I think that to some degree, 
all of my books have been that, you know, I think like with lagging indicators, my issue was, okay, I've been a stay at home parent all these years. Like, what does that mean? You know, what's next for me? Will I be able to do anything else? And whereas this new book is about, okay, my, my firstborn is playing the next nest. What does that mean? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I love interviewing authors so much because people are really just writing about what they're feeling. It's really just a ruse to talk to people about what's going on in their lives. You know, so. like books are just yeah. a, books are just the intermediary between us to talk about our experiences to people we don't know, really. So I don't know. I think so too. And that's what makes it even more special when it resonates and when someone connects to it. And yes. then they, somebody who you least expected can connect to something that you've written and you're like, really? You saw that? Wow. So it is very special. I, rem- I wrote this one silly article on HuffPost a number of years ago called A Mother's Right to Sanity. And I sent it around and I was just basically not complaining, but just like the management of kids takes so much time that I had no time to like even be with my kids and certainly be with my husband and like all the rest of it. Anyway, this mom at my kid's school sent me an email and she had read it online somewhere or whatever, or maybe I sent it to her. I don't know. Anyway, she was like, I didn't think I had anything in common with you. Like we have totally different, it was actually a little bit antagonistic now that I think about it, but whatever. Anyway, she was just sort of like, I didn't think I had anything in common with you in your life. And like your experience is different from mine. She's like, when I read your article, I I laughed out loud because like I was doing that same thing too with my husband, (laughs) like all the same stuff. Like, and like, we never would have necessarily realized that, right? You know what I mean? Like she wouldn't have known that inside I don't know. It's, if you write it down, then people can say like, oh, me too. Like I've already done that. Or, I feel the same. Definitely. I mean, that's how I felt a little bit about lagging indicators. Here I was writing about a black woman, you know, working in finance in New York City. And the bulk of my readership has been other Swedish women. And I thought to myself, like, how would they relate? Like, what about this story? First of all, I was just so happy they were interested in reading it. And then how they connected to so many of the themes, even though on the surface, Mia is so different and her life story is so different, but there were still so many parallels and areas where like they, they saw common ground and this like character who I thought was completely different from any of these women. So that's, that's what I like about it. The universality of writing and how people can just kind of relate in that empathetic quality. And, and that's why I think it's so important. Totally. Absolutely. Right. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Well, definitely to read a lot. I know that that's always one that other writers say, but you gain so much from reading and, you know, exploring the different styles out there. But I also think to just be like really disciplined as well. I mean, I think that there are just so many distractions nowadays and that's what I've struggled with. Even during lockdown when there was like nothing else to do, it was hard to concentrate. So I think that just being really disciplined and believing in yourself, because I think for me, I had so many moments of doubt when I felt that other you know, publishers or, you know, just the industry as a whole didn't want what I had to say. And it took a lot for me to kind of like build my confidence back up again. And I really think it's just important to believe in yourself and believe in what you have to say. And there are other avenues out there. I mean, I think that I'm still a big proponent of traditional publishing for sure. But if you have something to say, don't be afraid to explore other avenues. So true. What was the name, by the way, of the service you used to self-publish that came with an advisor? Yeah, it's called Indie Book Launcher, and they're actually based out of Canada. And I just really connected with one of the guys who was just fantastic in terms of really guiding me along. 
So Amazing. Indie book launcher in Canada. You're in Sweden. People are everywhere. This is an international novel. People are everywhere. People are everywhere. But that's the online community, you know? You just, like, click on something and you don't know where people are coming from, which is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. (laughs) Well, good luck. I know you're, like, locked away in this shed trying to finish this book. (laughs) And it's a beautiful shed, but... (laughs) Nice, nice, wall uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's lovely. Yeah. Anyway, good luck finishing. And, you know, I don't know if you still are being held to the nine to five restrictions that your husband sort of set into place, but, <laughs> <laughs> but good luck cranking it out. And thank you so much. I think the day is much longer now. It's more like, I feel like I'm breastfeeding again. I'm waking up like in the middle of the night, you know, like you just have kind of like, I'm on a different rhythm right now. Oh my gosh. Don't, I, I can't even like, I have like PTSD from that whole period of time in my life. I can't even, I can't even when the nights were not my own and, you know, I felt like I was the only one in the world. Anyway. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Zibby. Thank you so much for all you do. And I look forward to follow, continue to follow your success. It's awesome. And yours. <laughs> all right, bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 I hope you've enjoyed this Beach Read on Beach Reads Wednesday, part of my July book blast. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.